Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The last several days have been eventful, to put it mildly, inside the church. In fact, the last few years have shown us that right before Christmas, Rome is perfectly willing to drop the hammer on the faithful in some way or another. And Father Frank Pavone has been the most recent recipient of said hammer. But that story, I suspect, is being used to distract the laity from bigger news in the church. And I covered a little bit of that a couple days ago, where I told you about the story of Bishop Nestout and his habit of protecting weak, wicked priests guilty of grave misdeeds, continuing to reassign them despite common sense. And that should have captured the headlines in America, but of course it did not. Now today I have another story that is being used to distract the laity from the real news. And I'll briefly cover that story before returning our focus to what Francis is doing to the church, because it's good to know what these distractions are. But we should not allow our eyes to be taken from the real news by these stories. It's good to know what these distractions are, but again, we need to keep paying attention. That said, though, I wanted to thank the patrons and channel members for their continued support of the work that I do here at Return to Tradition for like a dollar a month to help keep these messages and news coming. So if you want to join them in helping out, you can click the join button below or you can find links to Subscribestar, which is a speech respecting Patreon alternative, as well as to Patreon in the links below. Thanks and on to the story. Many of you hope and pray that Francis will resign his alleged office soon. That might be the most merciful act he could do for and to the church, to step down and simply walk away. I don't think he's the type to do that, though, and I think this story is a distraction from a couple of other stories in the news right now. But news came out again, it's not the first time this has happened, that Francis is prepared to step down if the time is right. With that said, headline from Sputnik News. Pope Francis already signed resignation letter in case of worsening health. You would not believe the number of people who sent this story to me. I've... I've never been a believer that Francis would resign from allegedly holding the papacy. It's just not in his character. I could see him relinquishing power voluntarily if he had really good reason to believe that his chosen successor would actually get the position after him if he had like a hand-picked person and was reasonably certain of the outcome of a conclave. But otherwise, I can't see him risking his whole program of building what Catholic prophecy calls the ape of the church from being overturned by an even, even remotely decent successor. But from the Sputnik News article, quote, Francis said on Sunday that after he was elevated to the papacy in 2013, he signed a letter of resignation to be used. His health seriously deteriorated and created impediments to his duties. I have already signed the document on my resignation. Secretary of State, the Secretary of State was then Cardinal Tarsisi Bertone, I signed it and told him, in case of impediments for medical reasons for any other, here is my resignation, the 86-year-old pontiff said in an interview with Spanish press. Rumors of the pontiff's resignation have been circulating since July, though he denied all allegations as unfounded. Actually, I'm going to correct them. Every summer, allegation, the rumors of his, of his resignation come out. But anyway, in August, the media reported that Pope Francis had severe pain in, the, in his knee joint, which caused him to use a wheelchair. In July 2021, the pontiff underwent planned surgery on his intestine. If Pope Francis resigns, he will be the second leader of the Roman Catholic Church to step down from the papal throne in modern history. His predecessor, Benedict XVI, resigned due to deteriorating health, health back in 2013 and now lives in Vatican City. Before him, the last pope who relinquished his office was Gregory XII in 1415. 
end quote. And there have been something like a dozen popes in history who have resigned. It's just been 600 years or so since the last one. That's literally the whole story. There's nothing new in that reporting. We've been told about this resignation protocol before. So why now? Stories like this are meant to distract you. And I'm, I instruct you and me, really, from covering Bishop Nestout and Father Rupnik. They're not the first stories to hit the wire in the past week designed by Rome to distract their critics from what's really going on. In fact, honestly, I think the Father Pavone story was used in a similar way. Remember, Father Pavone's laicization was made official on November 9th of this year, but it wasn't made public or even told to Father Pavone himself until December 17th. Why? Because Bishop Nestout and Father Rupnik's stories were just too big. Rome knew those stories were going to hit the news, and they couldn't risk letting them run wild without blunting them somehow. In fact, there's been a whole lot of stories that none of them have been good for Rome. So these stories here are good ways to distract us. Now, the Father Rupnik story is still dominating news in Europe, but barely getting any coverage in America for whatever reason. I reported on it last week, but here's a quick recap. Father Marco Rupnik is a Jesuit artist who engaged in, uh, we'll call them illicit activities of the flesh, and had earned himself an excommunication from his Jesuit superiors back in 2019. Father Rupnik is best known for his monstrous art for various Vatican projects, including most of the synods, such as this artwork here. Father Rupnik's art is always unsettling to view, and some have even called it demonic in nature. Father Rupnik's case is interesting and relevant because a couple of weeks ago, it emerged that Francis and all his pack-a-papa mercifulness decided to overrule the excommunication of the priest personally. Francis personally intervened, and it happened reportedly after Father Rupnik personally called Francis and spoke to him. Now, I want you to think about the logistics of everything involved in that, if you like. Having the personal phone number of Francis, Francis taking his calls when he calls him, and then immediately responding in the priest's favor, regardless of what he's accused of, because that is how it's reported as having happened, that Father Rupnik called Francis personally and got him to intervene. And the story just isn't going to go away, and that's kind of a problem for apostate Rome. The story was published during the midst of the Father Frank Pavone news. And here we have it, headline from Pillar Catholic, a complex case of Father Marco Rupnik explained. Father Marco Rupnik is at the center of a complicated and still unfolding set of allegations in Rome. The Pillar explains what's happening. The story's not going away for Rome, and that's kind of a problem. Here we are talking about it again while Father Frank Pavone, Frank Pavone is making statements and challenging Francis on matters of the faith. It's certainly tempting to think that these stories aren't related, but they actually are in a way. Father Pavone was accused by Francis of being too political. He said this in an interview to Spanish TV. Given that Father Pavone is a vocal supporter of the previous American head of state, that statement means Father Pavone had the wrong politics for Francis. Canonically, the accusations of blasphemy don't really stick since that had been resolved some time ago and by itself aren't enough to be dismissed from the clerical state. It was done in accordance with canon law. And I'll link an article that help explains that in my show notes today. Now, for those unaware, Father Pavone said in a live stream what that accusation was. He had said on social media the words God followed by the D word, which is blasphemy if it is used in the way that the pairing of those words typically are used. If someone is literally asking God to condemn someone to eternal perdition, it may not be blasphemous, though it may be presumptuous or prideful or any number of other things. But blasphemous, it probably isn't in that context. But Father Pavone publicly apologized for it and had gone to confession, which should have taken care of the matter. For those interested in the remains of a victim of the Moloch ritual on an altar story, he never placed such remains on an altar, but on a table. 
Now, some have called it a stunt, a political stunt. Others have said he probably went too far. The accusations from Rome don't actually mention that incident at all in their accusations against him anyway. So, technically speaking, they're not relevant to his laicization. The Father Rupnik story involves a priest close to Francis who can call in favors to the man who the world sees as Pope, and who can presumably get those favors given to him on a moment's notice. Why no one else is talking about this, I don't know. It's remarkable, and along with Bishop Nestout, that story from earlier this week, both stories are ones that Rome desperately wants to go away, but just won't. The reason this story won't go away is that Rome knew about Father Rupnik's wicked deeds for decades and failed to act on them. And then when action was attempted by the Jesuits, Francis steps in to solve the problem, and he solved it in favor of the bad man, because that's of course what he did. So from the Pillar article, quote, Italian blogs late last month began reporting that Rupnik had been accused of spiritually harming women religious in the 1990s, members of the Loyola community, for which the priest was chaplain. Some blogs and media sources reported that the complaints had been sent to the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. On December 2nd, the Society of Jesus released a statement acknowledging that complaints were sent in 2005 to the DDF and investigated. Media sources said the investigator was an auxiliary bishop in the Diocese of Rome. The Jesuits said that in October 2022, the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith decided not to pursue canonical charges against Rupnik over those abuse allegations because the relevant statutes of limitations, called prescription in canon law, had run out. The Jesuit statement added that since the complaint was sent to Rome, the priest had been prohibited from hearing confessions, giving spiritual direction, offering the spiritual exercises, or engaging in public ministry without the permission of his religious superior. The statement raised more questions than answers. Journalists asked whether the DDF could have considered waiving prescription, the statute of limitations, in order to pursue a penal process against Rupnik, as it has done in other prominent cases of the kind, albeit mostly involving minors. Journalists also asked about the restrictions placed by the Jesuits on the priest's ministry. He had been barred from public ministry, but gave a talk on Eucharistic adoration at the diocesan seminary in Rome, preached a 2020 Lenten meditation for the Vatican, had a meeting with the Pope, released weekly videos on scripture, and received an honorary doctorate. <laughs> yeah, some restrictions, folks. These aren't restrained. There are no restrictions on this priest. Anyway, continuing. Furthermore, the Society of Jesus did not announce the restrictions on Rupnik's ministry, as is usually done when priests are accused of serious misconduct. End quote. So at the risk of giving too much information, Father Rupnik was charged with having illicit liaisons of the uh, flesh with nuns often with two or more nuns at the same time. I mean, literally at the same time, like in some demonic and decent sixth and ninth commandment violating video people watch on the internet. Not only is he said to have done those things, but he also then gave the nuns he was involved with absolution in the sacrament of penance for sins he had them commit. He heard their confessions and absolved them himself, which according to canon law, earns the priest automatic excommunication. This is what Francis overruled when the Jesuits tried to enforce it. Good for the Jesuits for trying to enforce it, by the way, and I rarely praise them for anything, but at least they tried. Now, why did he do that? Who really knows? A Pope splainer would say that Francis was showing mercy to the priest, and fair enough, I guess, though sacrilege and grotesque violations of the commandments and helping nuns vow break their own religious vows and misusing his own power as a priest is far worse than anything Father Pavone is accused of doing, and Father Pavone was laicized for what he did with no possibility of appeal. 
By the way, a lot of you have asked why there's no possibility of appeal, and it's pretty simple. The only way that Father Pavone has no way of appealing that decision is if it came from Francis himself. There is no authority on earth that can overrule a reigning pontiff, which means the decision to laicize Father Pavone came from Francis himself. And Francis told the Spanish press that Father Pavone had gotten too political. Yeah, which means the real reason for his laicization was that Father Pavone had the wrong politics. So, to reiterate, wicked Jesuit misuses his power to involve himself physically with nuns, often multiple literally at the same time, and then violates the laws of the church to offer absolution to those involved in his crimes, and Francis shows him mercy. But a priest accused of disobeying his bishop's decree to stop his ministry and go be a full-time pastor of a tiny disconnected parish earns Father Pavone no mercy whatsoever. Welcome to the Synodal Church of the New Advent, folks. Enjoy your stay. I'll close this out with something from Vigano. Either tomorrow or on Christmas Eve, you'll get from Archbishop Vigano his Christmas message, which he released a few days ago. What he addresses in that letter is, quite frankly, at the heart of this problem. The church and the world needs to return to the kingship of Christ, that is, to the social reign of Christ the King. That stopped being preached after Vatican II. It had been taught by the church from basically the beginning of the church, until Vatican II, when it was overtly discarded in favor of ecumenism, religious pluralism, classical and, and progressive liberalism, and all of the other modernist ideas that get summed up in words like dialogue and accompaniment and all the rest of it. Father Pavone, for whatever faults he may have, firmly believes in the reign of Christ the King, and apostate Rome doesn't. That much is obvious. Francis does not believe in the reign of Christ the King. If he did, he would not have intervened all the various times he did in the various cases of priestly misconduct, of which the Rupnik case was only the most recent we've heard about. You may not agree with every decision that Father Pavone made, and frankly, I don't, but I am sure that he is having the, that his having the law thrown at him, while figures guilty of much graver offenses not only prosper in the church of the synodal New Advent, but are actually protected by Rome because they have the right politics. That is what we're dealing with here. And that's all you really need to know. Francis turns politics into an idol, and he worships at the foot of that idol in the name of the church. When that, if you understand the implications of that, you'll see how horrifying that is. But what do you think about these stories? Is Father Pavone, in the case of Francis's alleged resignation letter, being used to distract us from Father Rupnik? Another bad news coming out of Rome. Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help as to sharing this on social media. It helps a lot as well. Again, thanks to the patrons and channel members for your continued support of the work I do here. It is greatly appreciated. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.